Between the Chapters, a weekly podcast discussion focusing on a chapter of the book, 25 Years of EdTech, written by Martin Weller. Here's your host, Laura Pasquini. All right, welcome to Between the Chapters, Chapter 5, 1998 Wikis. I'm still your host, Laura Pasquini, and I'm here with Mark Guzdial. Welcome, Mark. Thanks, Laura. Pleasure to be here. So, Mark, I was told by a friend of a friend, uh, Ken Bauer, is one who's recommended you to come talk to, about, talk to me about this chapter. And in our pre-chat, I can see why. Uh, there's so much about wikis that your some of your work is built on and has, has from the start. So um, let's, let's jump into the chapter and talk a little bit around what does wikis mean to you in this kind of world of learning and technology? So... Uh- I just got to the University of Michigan two years ago. I was at Georgia Tech, and I was asked to be teaching the Intro to Object-Oriented Programming course. And it was in uh, Smalltalk um, for years and years. And then uh, I discovered, if you're working in, in Smalltalk, you discover Ward, Ward Cunningham. Um, and I learned about his WikiWeb. And I thought the WikiWikiWeb was just such a cool idea. So when we decided to move the class to Squeak, um, a version of Smalltalk 80 that Alan Kay, Dan Ingalls, and company had produced at Apple and then took with them to Disney, I really thought it'd be great if we could actually do the wiki wiki web in Squeak. So in October 1997, uh, I had my third child born. I couldn't write English anymore, but I could still program. I don't know why that works that way. Lack of <laughs> sleep, you can still program, but you can't write English. Um, so I built, I, I built the Swiki. It was uh, somebody else had built a wiki, a web server in Squeak. And then I built a wiki, wiki web based on Ward's design, but just translated to Squeak on top of it. Um, and then we put that out and started using it in the class. Um, Bolat Karnbayov and Jeff Rick, Jochen Rick, came to work with me as PhD students uh, somewhere along these lines. And Bolat said, well, that's a lousy web server. Let me remake it. And Jeff said, Mark, your code, really? And so he rewrote it. And so that became the, uh, the Squeaky server that was distributed with Squeak. You can still find um, uh, Squeak Swikis in different places. So Squeak Wiki was Swiki. And so uh, I think very little of my original code exists but we used those at Georgia Tech for many years. At one point, there was something like 12 Swiki servers around campus. Every chemical engineering class was given a Swiki. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that our 2000 paper in CSCW is the earliest mention of wikis in the ACM digital library. And that paper was about how we change the design of wikis in response to what teachers and students needed. Um, you know, if, you, if, if you've ever used wikis in a class, you know that there's a bunch of things that you want that things like, the, you know, the, the base code for Wikipedia or Twiki or any of the other basic wiki implementations don't give you. Like, if you're a teacher, you're going to want to rename pages sometimes. You know, things like put the, uh, Put the, the, the year or date, the, the semester there. You don't want it at first, but later on when you're archiving it, you do. Um, students want to know which pages were actually written by the teacher so that the assignment, you don't think that one of your classmates spoofed you and changed it on you. So we just ended up iterating, iterative development of the wiki model over years. And that's what the 2000 uh, paper was about. 
Well, uh, for those of you that love a good wiki, because it helped, it really did help to democratize what we do in, in the world. Um, and, to, and in teaching and learning, uh, I think Ward Cunningham, I'm really grateful for the wiki because I am an educator, a teacher that used it from it multiple times. And you're right. You want permissions. You also want ways you can build on a wiki, reuse and repurpose it, continue building out the knowledge that's in it. Um, I think that's absolutely right. And if 2000 is the first paper, half of me and my nerdy literary self is like, wow, do we have a, a collected literature, a systematic literature review of wikis? That's only 20 years. As I said that oh, out really? loud in my head. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you have the challenge, friends. Who's with me? Anyone want to do this one with me? I, got, I need some yeah. side research projects. So that's great. <laughs> um, that's cool. So this is where CoWeb kind of spun out, and this was mentioned in the chapter, and it seems like an interesting and simple way to get lots of your courses together and f figure out ways that le learners and educators could collaborate and work. And I love that this, ch this chapter really digs into a bit of that um, onto, like, not just, like, this is where we're going to put things, but there's going to be like, you have pockets in your co-web that they're, they're kind of engaging in different ways. And it's yeah. almost like you're creating that learning um, environment on this co-web. And can you share a little bit about like, what made you decide that that's the space you want to have the learning engagement? So when I first got to Georgia Tech in 1993, I started working with Janet Kalodner and folks across uh, the College of Engineering on collaborative learning environments. And uh, we did this project with, um, uh, with Jennifer Turns, who uh, she's, now she's a full professor at the University of Washington, Seattle. And Jennifer and I got interested in a model that we created that we called anchored collaboration. So teacher puts up a, uh, a homework assignment and then puts a link after the homework assignment directly to a discussion about that assignment. That's what we called anchored collaboration. And what we found was in contrast with things like Usenet newsgroups, well, that was a long time ago, but yeah. other ways of supporting threaded discussion, that when you do the anchored collaboration, you tend to get more sustained discussion, more on topic, and fewer threads going all over the place. Uh, I use Piazza now, and I get asked the exact same question about 17 times per assignment. I think that if we had the model of anchored collaboration, that wouldn't happen because where do I ask about this assignment? Right here. And all of the notes related to that assignment is right, are right there. So the question that we had afterward was, well, the anchored collaboration works because the teacher sets up the assignment and the links to the collaboration the space. What if the students could make it? What if you turned it around and made it so the students could, do, could lead the collaboration? That's what got us interested in wikis because everybody can author in a wiki. Um, and we didn't actually find that it worked that way. Students still tend to follow the teacher's lead. But the thing that we found that was amazing with wikis was that other teachers didn't just adopt this thing. They adapted it. They invented with it. Um, the, the list of things which are in this chapter are all from a, a, a paper we published in the Journal of Learning Sciences. Just listing the cool ways that teachers were inventing how to use this. Um, Mindy Millard Stafford at Georgia Tech was teaching a course on, uh, oh, I think it was anatomy, human physical system, something like this. But every semester, she would have the students identify glossary words, things that they didn't know about, and then create wiki entries in their class wiki 
for those glossary entries and provide definitions. This was before Wikipedia. This is Mindy just saying, you know, my students are always struggling with these glossary words. How about if we have the students build it and then use the same wiki semester after semester after semester? So now the collaboration isn't just within the class. It's across classes. It's across years as students are building up this shared resource. And I just love these kinds of inventions. And I think it was amazing that we didn't invent it. The teachers did because they said, hey, this wiki thing, I could use it for what I want. I, I, I love that about it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the two things. The hot list is one uh, that is talked about. So student-generated, I use it for a training development course because there's so many different uh, tools and applications for the tools. So they had to do a cross-list. Um, and I've, in one of these training development courses I had, it was a wiki that uh, ended up being expanded out across different semesters. So the knowledge from previous cohorts of learners was shared throughout and, from, and across different seminars too. And they're like, Oh, I didn't even think about using that. And the anchor discussion, like, is that one? So I think it's brilliant. Um, is it one that you found students picked up on or did they need direction? So did you give them a prompt and said, this is where we talk about this assignment? Or is that kind of where you felt it was the strongest point for those anchored? Because yeah, that's still a right. great principle. So, yeah. I, I, I really like the idea of, of, uh, of anchored collaboration. So, um, interesting story related to that. So when we first started doing the wikis and the wikis generally worked at Georgia Tech, they, they took off. Um, there was a cool project that Jeff Rick led with an English class where the teacher in the English class um, wanted to be able to, um, let's see, what was, uh, I'm going to blank on the teacher's name. Uh, I have, ooh, Lisa Holloway Attaway. So great name. Uh, Lisa wanted to, um, did in her class this thing called close reading. She was teaching an English composition class where you've got the reading, you highlight it and write a margin note next to your highlight. And we thought, you know, this is such a great wiki activity. We'll put the prose or poem that they have to write on. You highlight this part of the text as the thing to comment on. And then everybody comments on the linked page. Um, and now the close reading activity is collaborative. Everybody can see everybody's margin notes. And uh, what he found, and we actually, we had all students in the class keep a diary of how much time they were spending on the class. Students who got the wiki version of margin notes actually improved in their learning, did better in their final, uh, their final papers. They did more citations, which was really interesting that that was, a, that was the outcome variable. And in mm. the end, they actually spent less time on the class than the people who did the margin notes all by themselves. So we had this cool kind of invention happening. So uh, a group of us around engineering decided to go for an NSF proposal where what we wanted to do was use the wiki to connect classes from across campus. So take a topic like computational modeling. Um, we teach MATLAB in the CS class. They learn differential equations in their math class or calculus class. And then when they're juniors and seniors, they take chemical engineering classes where they have to implement differential equations using MATLAB to solve some big project. How about if we had a wiki about computational modeling where all of these classes would post their problems and share their solutions? What we really wanted was for, say, a, <clears throat> a chemical engineer freshman in this computer science class who's saying, why am I taking MATLAB? To see the juniors and seniors using MATLAB in their final projects right now to say, oh, that's why I'm doing this. Hey, junior or senior, can I help you with your MATLAB? I'm taking MATLAB right now. 
So we wanted these, these cross-class connections. Um, after a year and a half of the grant, we went back to NSF and said, nobody is using this at all. <laughs> Can we change the focus of our proposal um, to study why don't engineers want to collaborate? I mean, we had things like, <clears throat> uh, let's see, the junior, uh, juniors and seniors in chemical engineering were producing data that we handed to a differential equation class that they were going to do the eigenvalues or something or other and pass sure. the values back for the students to finish. And we actually had the majority of the calculus class accept a zero on the assignment rather than collaborate with the engineers. Wow. The engineers said, oh, the reason why they're not collaborating is because it's so hard to write equations in the wiki. So we built an applet that you dragged and dropped your equations and then we just drop it into the Swiki. From our log file data, we know that all the engineers and mathematicians that we knew who were teaching with using the wiki were using this applet and not a single student tried it even once in any of the classes over the course of a semester. So we go to NSF with all this data and said, we'd like to change our focus to how could create a computational modeling wiki into a why don't engineers want to collaborate so we did this whole big project and found that engineers so we'd create a midterm exam review when sure. students would be encouraged to share their answers in the wiki and we actually had students tell us things in interviews like well i already know all my answers are wrong why would i want to post or a student that says well i'm pretty sure the class is curved and under a curve it's better if you don't help your students get a better grade and then we'd show them, look right here in the syllabus, it says, this class will not be curved. And they said, yeah, that's what they tell you. <laughs> okay, so this is fascinating to me in so many different ways. I love that you wanted to connect uh, not only your students between classes, but give purpose to what they're doing. Like you're scaffolding the learning to say, this math and equation modeling matters later on in this area. Um, and let's draw the little breadcrumbs. So you're giving the breadcrumbs to the next learning experience, the next thing they'll need it for and giving it value. But then you also want to cross pollinate and collaborate in a way, but they're like, mm, I'm not sure about this. So why, why was there a lack of interest in really, yeah, the connection between the classes and collaborating amongst engineers? Was there an overall finding? Yeah. So the overall finding was that it's about culture. So I told you about the really cool English composition, close reading stuff. Some of the students who were in that class using the, 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 the wiki around doing close reading were the exact same ones in the calculus class refusing to collaborate with the engineers. So it isn't about the individual style. It isn't about the value of collaborative learning. It's about those classes. It is really hard to create a culture of collaboration. And in particular, we find it in engineering classes. Students have this sense of it is highly competitive. The teacher's out to get you. Um, and so they don't want to talk to one another. So, we've, so in the end, it was a story about culture. The challenge is to creating a culture where collaboration is valued. So, for example, one of the things that we found was that um, in some classes where the wiki really took off, if the teacher just said in class, wow, that's a great point. Could you put that in the wiki so that we all can have that saved? Doing something like that encouraged student use of the wiki. Students would use it. They would share things. They would collaborate there. But uh, in another class, the teacher actually looked up a posting that somebody said, 
called them out in class and said, were you the one who wrote that? That was such a stupid question. Use in that class now just dies. So the teacher can create a culture in their classroom where use of the wiki, engaging in collaboration is considered valuable. And the teacher can also shut it down completely. Yeah, I would say the teacher modeling some of that and also validating some of that or invalidating some of that is key. Um, you're right, culture is everything. Um, I'm a big collaborative learning, the one that studies those in communities and communities of practice and learning environments. And I, I think it's right. It's about where people see themselves fitting in because I work in an industry that we have engineers that we really want them to cross pollinate and collaborate and work with each other and realize it's not just for you. It's the bigger team. It's the bigger yeah. end goal. It's maybe a long tail project that we all need to like get into, make mistakes and it be okay. Like how yeah. can you fail and it be okay? And yeah. everything you said so far in the wiki, like you talked about highlighting, uh, we have like an app for that now. It's like hypothesis annotation. Yeah. We also have like shared documents. What's that? Google Docs and everything else. People create yeah. share yeah. spaces. Like yeah. it's it's amazing how much wiki started building that foundation of other things and apps and tools that we now are like, oh, look at all these great ed tech tools. We're like, yeah, the foundation was the scaffolding of the early wiki days. And I think your co-web is a great example of um, teachers really taking the reins of the wiki and saying, let's go and do this. And is that still the case today? And uh, I think we both said, is it the case? I don't know. I guess we train more people to use wikis than not. Is that right? Yeah, no. Um, so um, I'll, I'll post into the chat. So all of the wikis at Georgia Tech were destroyed one day in 2011. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, the what problem, happened? Um, FERPA, the Family Education mm -hmm. Rights and Privacy Act. I mean, FERPA is uh, totally agreed. You want to protect students' privacy. You do not want, um, here's an example. Uh, Barack Obama's daughter is now a student at the University of Michigan. You don't want some reporter putting out a headline. I just checked it out and Barack Obama's daughter is totally bombing calculus or she just doesn't understand American history. You don't want things like that. I totally get it. Um, the problem was with the wikis is that you had a timestamp associated with a course name associated with a student name. And, and we tried locking them down. We had a variety of mechanisms. You couldn't get access except username and password. But in the end, Georgia Tech decided that these were just a risk. And so uh, one day in 2011, I got told afterward, um, all the wikis were shut down. So it's hard. I mean, these, the, the kinds of things you're talking about, Laura, that we've got these highlighting tools, we have these shared documents tools. We also have a whole mechanism of authentication and ways of protecting that data. Um, I mean, I, you know, I was doing wikis in the wild, wild west of Web 2.0 when we didn't worry about things like privacy and guaranteeing students protection of their of their coursework. Now we're more aware of those things. Um, it, it sort of diminishes some of the value of the constructionist web. It was cool that, you know, Mindy Millard Stafford students could be making this glossary and people from all over the world could check out this cool glossary that they were making. Um, but, you know, that's a risk now because you did that as a course thing. Students were learning in this. That was students graded work that people were looking at. And that's a danger. So, 
I think that one of the things that's happened as we've moved from the early web 2.0 to the kinds of apps you're describing today is awareness of um, protecting student privacy and also protecting against the spammers and the web bots. And how do you protect? I mean, in, we were starting having real problems with all kinds of ads to all kinds of medical supplements um, on the wikis right. because it was an open editing box. And this is, this is a, a danger today. We've, we've had to evolve our notion about how do we protect students and protect the content. No, and that's a fair point. And I, I will say in some of these uh, conversations we're having in these chapters, like this is one of the, one, the first ones, we start talking about openness in learning. Like Wiki is one. We've talked, there will be uh, an episode and there's a chapter on blogs, um, social media. It's having those identifiers. So FERPA is in America, FIPA is Canada's uh, privacy. But you, in general, we're having a world of more guarding against privacy, personal data, and that not as fair. And so what would yep. what could we do is we want to give students a realistic opportunity to learn and fail safely and not be watched or surveilled, right? Or in the surveillance capitalism these days. Yep. Um, we also really want to be cognizant of um, they're going to, how they choose to participate is giving them a choice and not forcing them into these platforms and spaces. Um, something that's interesting to me, though, that still gets used is heavily, because um, Wikipedia obviously is one that people commonly know as the wiki around the world that was built, but there is the EdWiki where learn, uh, faculty, educators, librarians are encouraging people to contribute to bodies of knowledge that are out there um, and seeing that as a value add source. So I don't want to say that. Um, we haven't learned anything from these early wiki days when we we're just testing in a sandbox of the wild west of the wikis. Um, what is something that you think you've taken moving forward if you aren't in these kind of spaces now? What, what's something that you learned from the early constructivist web uh, you had at Georgia Tech? Um, I still value collaboration a lot. I wish that my tools were better. Um, and I don't know why. So for example, this idea that, that, that we started with of, of um, anchored collaboration. I wish that Piazza would support that. I want a link to a thread and so that I can attach that link to my assignments. That would be so, so useful and it just, uh, it doesn't exist yet. Um, there are threaded discussion groups in things like Sakai and Blackboard. There are wikis in these spaces, but they're, they're, they're clumsy, they're hard to use. Maybe they're hard to use because they purposely want to make it hard to connect to the outside world and perhaps bring dangerous things in. I don't really know all of, you know, um, I really don't know all of what's involved in protecting against these sorts of, uh, of cybersecurity holes. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, so one of the amazing things is Jeff Rick created all of our, our Swiki and CoWeb infrastructure uh, at Georgia Tech. And then he graduated. 15 years later, the servers were still running with almost minimal modification. The only thing that we had is every once in a while, the, uh, the, the, pe the people running the, the technical staff, the, the people running the servers would come to me and say, Mark, we've just discovered there's this new kind of attack. Here's what has to happen to fix it. And I would spend an hour and re remember how the, everything worked and make a slight small talk tweak. And that was it. The servers ran for 15 years without mod. I, I find that shocking. Uh, I think it really has something to do with the, the excellent engineering that Jeff Rick did, but also 
squeaks, the small talk model, you know, these things just keep ticking. Um, uh, you know, it's a little energizer bunny of, 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 of code. And I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. Uh, there are still Swiki servers out there. You know, we did them in 1997. Can you imagine a piece of software that still serves people's needs with almost no modification for 20 plus years? Um, I think that's really something striking. And I think that's something interesting to think about why we evolved the wikis the way we did. You know, the changes we made were about meeting teacher and student needs. If you meet teacher and student needs, the software stays useful. Imagine that. I can't <laughs> believe it. I, that's a good idea. We're, we're just giving secrets away on this podcast. I love it. Um, <laughs> I also love that, like, this is essentially what was talked about is co-creating a space is amazing because it's this is where the learning lives. It doesn't have to be in something. And mm-hmm. I, the, the term, which I don't know if I love, the term splot, the smallest, simplest possible portal open online learning, living tool <laughs> technology. Thank you, Martin, for that. Um, are examples of like giving power back to what you want um, your learners and teachers, educators to use, right? Like pick yep. the things, the easiest way for them to get in, get access and do the things they want to do in the learning spaces instead of them like, now we co-opt and go, let's go into this portal, this learning management system, this virtual learning environment. And they have to go, how do I figure this out? We're designing around the practice and not yep. the other way around. I love that. Um, man, let's put our wish list out into the world, uh, Mark, and maybe someone will come up with uh, some solutions for Piazza and other, other places we use. So I'll tell you about a couple. I mean, one of the cool things was that it wasn't just the teachers inventing new uses for the wikis. There were a bunch of people inventing uh, new things. One of them that I totally love that doesn't really exist, at least for, as far as I can tell, in any form was a wiki where you could embed executable squeak code and the code would output back onto the page. So you'd build a little turtle graphics project and student, someone could edit it with the wiki. And then when you saved it, it would render that cool turtle graphics fractal or figure or something onto the page. This idea of dynamic embedded programmable content in a wiki that's, i really love wow and that's impressive for two in two in 1998 99 yeah awesome. yeah we were doing this between yeah 98 through 2001 was really the the heydays of making cool things my favorite thing that we did with the wikis which is just totally crazy all right so the wikis are just plain text data right plus mm-hmm. like on wikipedia like on ours you can also upload things like uh so one of the things we did was allow you to upload um, MP3s, and then the uh, the web page was a playlist, and we connected the server to an FM transmitter. We had a collaborative radio station um, on the uh, the third floor of the College of Computing building at Georgia Tech for a while, where people could upload their 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 things that they wanted to share. Uh, it was a very low power FM transmitter. It was like not even the whole third floor; only half of the third floor could could get it. Um, but then you could turn into the FM radio and everybody could be listening to their collaboratively constructed radio show. Now, today you do that with Spotify and why upload the MP3s? They're all on Spotify. But in the early 2000s, this was kind of a cool idea. And it's sort of shared documents, but it's shared MP3s. It's shared other forms of digital media. And I think that we could push further on this idea of using open collaborative spaces to share more than just plain text. 
I love that idea. It's like a shared interest. Like it's a little a spot where you can go and create what you want. And you're right. I would say these kind of um, innovation ideas come from like, well, what if we did this? Or how can we put, like you said, how do we put the MP3s? Like, I, I know if there's any, any kids listening out there, this is like, what are these two talking about? We just have <laughs> these things now. It didn't work that way. And yeah. maybe it's concepts like this. And maybe we need to ask the questions of how do we do this more? And what would this look like if we had to create this space now and own this space? Is I think something we were thinking about is the, the web evolves even more. I talked with Jim Groom about the web earlier in an earlier chapter. Um, I'm thinking about what we need for the future as we create spaces or need to create spaces online that we own and yep. it doesn't own us, I guess, in a way. Um, yeah. So I, I think foundationally, this is kind of like the bedrock of some of the things where uh, the end of it, this chapter talks a bit about uh, <laughs> commercial publishing, some other models, yeah. broadcast, the dominated in learning. But this is really a, a place where people could come together and mm -hmm write pages not just plain text as you said put things in there that meant meaning meaning to them and also yeah. got to choose their own learning adventures i, I like that yeah a lot. yeah 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 that was a lot of what was going on too was super Any cool. questions we have for martin he he claims that you're the convert uh he claimed that a conference uh <laughs> the, in 1998 that he came back to the open university being a new convert to the potential idea of wikis um what what did you take from those early days of learning to now that you're kind of thinking, huh, I wish we have this still, or maybe we should think back to this way of doing things? I think that um, there needs to be both technology advances, but also policy changes. You know, one of the things that I, I, I've always been uh, inspired by the work of Seymour Papert, as many of us have, and his definition of constructionism. What, 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 what is constructionism? I, I see the, the wikis as a constructionist learning environment. So he said that constructionism, uh, the word with the N, not the word with the V, constructivism is this way, how, how we understand learning, assimilation, accommodation, Piaget, all that stuff. That constructionism is this idea that this happens and I love uh, Seymour's phrase, especially, especially felicitously. You know, not, <laughs> not better. It's just especially felicitous. Um, if you're creating a, a public artifact, whether a sandcastle on the beach or a theory of the universe, that was in his original definition. So, I mean, uh, an externalization of your knowledge, an artifact representing your knowledge, sure. Wikis, drawings, spreadsheets, all of that works. But the public nature, how do we make things shareable in public? You know, students would tell us in the early days of the SWICKY, the COAB, the collaborative websites that, oh yeah, I had my aunt come visit my page last week, right? That it was really easy for students to build things to share and that they could involve their family and their community. Um, these days, I, I uh, we're, were along the days that we first hired Amy Bruckman from the MIT Media Lab, who's still at Georgia Tech. She built this cool thing called Moose Crossing. Um, you all may remember Muds and Moose, these uh, you know, programmable text-based uh, venture games. Amy built a version of these that was programmable in a form of logo, and she filled the space with kids under the age of 12. So you have these young kids creating their own world. 
And that was her idea for, 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 for Moose Crossing. And uh, she did this really cool paper with, um, uh, so, and by the way, she and Andrea Forte, her, her PhD student, did a lot of the early studies about how, who are the people who are editing Wikipedia? What's the, what's the life of a Wikipedian? What are, the, what are they thinking about? Who, how does somebody get recruited into becoming uh, a Wikipedia author and editor? Um, but she also did this cool paper with Jose Zagal about Samba schools. Um, that was something that Seymour Papert highlighted, that Samba schools were this multi-generational learning activity. And wasn't that such a, a powerful and interesting thing? And we saw some of that with the Swickies, that I'm building this thing, and I know the kids who built it last year. And I know that I'm building it so the kids who take this class next semester will have something useful. And I'm involving my family, and they're going to come visit what, what I'm doing. And I love this idea. I, I totally get the, the privacy concerns, but I also love the ab ability of creating for other people and that I know the people who created here before me. And I wish that we could have ways of protecting the kids' privacy, but still encourage that notion of sharing across generations, of knowing that who took the class before you and they're contributing to you now and who's going to take the class after you. And we're engaging with our families and our families can come see, yeah, this is a cool thing that you're doing in your class. Mm -hmm. That kind of interconnectivity it requires more than technology. It requires changes in policy and culture. And it also, as you talk about it, it reminds me of, it teaches our, each other how to be civically engaged. Like we're all connected in different ways and what we do now matters for the future and the past. And it has so many other kind of learning ties because you described it. I was like, we could really use more of these moo or mud like environments yeah, to do yeah, some of the practice and skills. Like there'll be technical skills learned, but there's also, you're right, social, cultural, um, perhaps even civic engagement skills. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, well, Mark, totally Mark it's been a delight to chat with you. Is there anything else that you want to th think on? We can ask a question for Martin. We can throw it back to him. Um, is there anything else that I didn't ask you about that you want to mention? So uh, a, a question for, for Martin to think about. Um, I have always been impressed by the open use, open use culture, uh, its development. I have on my, uh, my shelf some of the Mark Eisenstadt books about knowledge media. Um, I'd love to hear how they see how the open U is now using these new technologies and what they can share with more traditional universities. I mean, the open U has always invented these wild and cool technologies because they have such a unique kind of clientele. I mean, it's not so unique anymore if you start thinking about Udacity and Coursera and edX, but still um, those still serve a more specific population. I mean, there's all these studies, Justin Reich's new book, uh, all of his focus on the people who are taking the MOOCs tend to be, you know, elitist, more elite, more well-educated already, more wealth. The Open U has always served everybody, right? And they're using technology to serve everybody. So how do we take some of that to inform, for example, yeah, I teach a class of 340 at, a traditional brick and mortar institution, the University of Michigan, and we are all remote. We are all online. I'm having to use tools that we've used in the past, like Canvas, Sakai, Blackboard. But you know what? I'll bet the Open U could tell me a lot about how to deal with the pandemic 
and that there are tools that they have that I could really use. So I sort of turn it around to say, okay, open you embrace these ideas of things like wikis. Okay, now tell us what we ought to be doing because we're all now facing the kind of learning situation that the open you has always faced. I'll share that question with Martin, but I do think I'll come back to that C word. I do think it is around culture. And yeah. kind of how it's presented. And it's something that I will think of from this conversation. But hey, Martin, answer the question already. Okay. Maybe he'll blog about it and give us an answer, Mark. <laughs> Thanks I would so much love for that. Thank you so much for your time and chatting about this chapter. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, it was really fun. It was a pleasure for me, too. Thanks so much for having me. You've been listening to Between the Chapters with your host, Laura Pisquini. For more information or to subscribe to Between the Chapters and 25 Years of Ed Tech, visit 25years.opened.ca.